Hi, friends. My name is Landon Wiedrich. My co-host is Braden Knobloch, and this is Inquire Inside. This is the second half of our conversation with Jordan Steininger, independent financial advisor and part owner of Hebrews Love and Coffee. This episode kicks off continuing the conversation on investing, but then transitions into the future plans Jordan has for the coffee business and how the best business practices translate into the best practices for everyday life. Picking up where we left off last week, here's the rest of our conversation with Jordan Steidinger. How do you explain um, to a, a younger client the power of compound interest if you just can stay consistent? I feel like that's one of the hardest things for us as Americans, especially as young males too, is just to stay consistent because there's just so many things, uh, so many headlines, so many uh, opportunity, like you just said, even in, you know, even in your brokerage account, there's, there's a million different options, right? But it's like, no, do the research, be consistent, but also understand like, okay, so I, I, there's a lot of questions there, but the main one would just be, how do you explain to a young investor the power of compound interest? Like, hey, see what can happen in 30 years, even on, even on average growth rate. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, that's hard to, it, the simplest thing is this, like pull up a, you know, Excel spreadsheet and just, you know, type it in there straight quick, you know, like that, right, that, right. um, to explain it, um, in words, I'm not really sure how I would, I mean, I know, um, and that might be the best way, Jordan, like you just said, hey, just let me pull up a spreadsheet or let me pull up this calculator and show you what compound interest will do over the next 30 years. That might just be the, you know, the, the best and most straightforward way. It's just like, this is what discipline will do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, like, because I mean, with, you know, we can just get online and, and, and plug it in you can see and it's, uh, um, it's pretty amazing like because i did like for example um i think i was working with some information like if a client were to say you know starting at age 30 you know say their husband and wife working you know um they're making um 100 grand and so the wife's income they set aside into for retirement and so maybe that's thirty thousand dollars that she sets aside and so they put all that into the market you know drawing it you know seven percent per year i mean 16 years they're millionaires based off just that you know yeah i think that like that is I, I, is uh pretty interesting you know is it's amazing just i mean it doesn't seem like that's all that is but then it grows and I, and um it's working for you like like that dollar it's growing but then the next year it's growing that and more is growing and that and more and it's it's um yeah. Yeah. No, I, Once it gets moving, it, it really moves. So. How do you, uh, Jordan, how do you stay at peace with your decisions? Um, and how do you stay at, I, I would say you've, you've basically explained that through your research. You, that's how you come to those decisions, but how does Jordan um, stay at peace with all the noise around him and stay calm with the black swans and, and, so on and so forth. And how, uh, and how do you stay 
content, maybe content, not the right word, but at peace when there's guys around you say that, that have made 10 times the amount you have and doing, and in the same business. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I, I think you've nailed like the biggest problem with most investors is comparison, you know, and, and also doubting, you know, emotions. And part of the reason why the stock market is somewhat, um, it, it repeats itself in some ways is that who's behind all these decision-making is humans and humans have emotions and these same emotions from 1929 or from the 1900s are going on today. So how do we, how do you see, um, like I had the same emotions that my great, great, great grandfather did. Yeah. And so that is, so if, you know, a stock gaps down 10%, you know, I get freaked out. I'm going to want to sell. Do I, not have that emotion no but i i know i built a discipline i built strategies to um or um yeah that say well if that happens this is how much i'm gonna risk and you know i'm gonna be okay with that and you know and kind of emotionally like preparing myself saying like this like when i risk you know when i, when I put some money at risk i know that when i when i make when i place the buy order that is very likely that I will lose that. And I have, to, I'm okay with that at front. If that makes sense. Like, so in my mind, I've lost that. So when I actually lose it, it's not a surprise. Um, I don't want it, but I, you know, like it's, it's part of, you know, like if you make a business decision, you know, you, you know, the consequences of that decision. If you buy a piece of equipment and that equipment unexpectedly breaks, you lost that equipment, you know, there's nothing you can do. You can't change it. And I think part of it comes to being in the field is knowing what you can, can't control. I think that's one thing. Um, once you start learning it, like the stock market is a lot about emotions, a lot of psychology behind the stock market. And I think the thing that I've liked about it the most with investing is that I've not, I've learned so much about investing, but I've learned so much about myself and how I handle the situation. Yes. So it's, it's a daily battle. I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, like every day I'm learning something new about myself or I'm, you know, building, building upon past failures. I'm, you know, I'm making new failures. I'm making mistakes. And, um, but that's part of the reason why you want to find someone that, that has experience and that, cause they know how to handle those situations because they're going to come. And that's, um, so th th those emotions, yeah, they're, they're tough to handle. And, and, um, that's, uh, I wouldn't say, I don't ever plan on having a perfect answer to, to, you know, every situation or be able to handle every, I, I never plan on it. And in, in fact, I, I build my strategy on, um, a high rate of failure. So like, I know I'm going to fail and I don't plan on being right all the time, but um, if I build a strategy on a, based on a high rate of failure, and then I'm right a lot more often than I thought, then I'll, I'll be more, uh, I'll make more money than I thought. But that's, so that, that's kind of my mindset behind it is I want to plan on plan for the worst and hope for the best. And, um, so, but then when it comes to the other question about, you know, what do I do when other, others outperform me, you know, just try, you gotta keep the worst thing to do like if you have a strategy is a jump ship and go for another strategy, like you gotta, 
um, I, I found mine and I, I know what I, I'm doing. Like, I know what I'm focusing on learning. I'm not going to, you know, yeah, by far there's tons of people out there making a lot more money than me with their strategy. Um, but like I said before, you know, value is doing well right now. Growth is kind of under, underperforming, but the, the tides will change. And when those tides come, when they do change, you know, I'll be, I'll be ready to, to capitalize on that. And, but if, if I switch, you know, and, you know, if I go ahead and switch right now, well, then when, when, when the tides change, I'm going to be thinking, man, I should, I shouldn't have switched. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta find something, you gotta focus, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn something and kind of have to put your blinders on in a way. And, um, because, I, mean, I think the problem with investing sometimes is it's so easy to just sell. I mean, that's one nice thing about real estate. I mean, when you buy something, you're committed and it takes, you know, it takes time to sign the contract, go to the title company and all that, you know, to get out of it. There's low liquidity, but with the stock market, I mean, you can make an instant decision. And, um, but like, and thinking from a, because I view like, this is my business, you know, um, and uh, my strategy is my business and, and I want it to be profitable, but I'm not like with my coffee shop, I'm not just going to say, well, you know, um, it sure looks like, you know, Chick-fil-A is doing good. I'm going to go start, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sell my coffee business to go start selling Chick-fil-A. Like I can't just do that. And I, I think um, a lot of the times when you compare situations like that, it, it's a little different, but in, in a way it's not, I mean, you can't just throw out your whole business plan one day and go for another one. Um, without, well, without having a process of thinking through that and reasons for it, I mean, definitely could, but um, you wouldn't want to. Oh, most certainly. Do you, um, the question kind of escaped me a little bit, but it basically was along the lines of dealing with the emotions when, when you do well with an investment, but you know it's not necessarily going to reoccur, but the emotion you feel is great, right? So um, how do you continually go back to, to that solid place? Or maybe that solid place is the business plan, right? So when you have a major success and you're riding the highs of the emotion, it's like, yeah, well, this is fine and I'm going to enjoy this a little bit, but I know it's not realistic maybe is the right word or maybe i'm going to go back to my plan because my my plan and my strategy is still you know the rock in which i invest in does that make sense because mm -hmm. i'm i'm you probably more than anyone see success and failure more times in a day you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. and so when you're riding those high emotions, what does Jordan tell himself to make sure he doesn't do anything wild? Maybe you don't uh, feel those. <laughs> uh, oh man. Yeah. No. So if you can give me the perfect answer to that, I let me know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Like you said, it comes back to the plan and that is the extreme importance of a plan because when your stock is up, when, when, when you, you made a good decision and, um, and you're making money and you don't have a plan, you're going to be like, well, I should have bought, or I mean, I should have sold. Let's just say it goes up and it comes back down to right to your buy price. But you're saying, well, man, I should, I should have sold and it was higher. But like for me, like, you know, I, I you know, I guess there's, there's, there's three things or four things you can control. You can buy, you control what you buy, when you buy, how much you buy and when you sell. So those are, 
really the four things that I can control. So I have to plan those out and I have to know ahead of time, you know, wh what am I going to do? And then, and then when I have that set in stone or not, I mean, everything, that's one thing the the stock markets is, is, it's, um, it's a, it's a fluid thing. Like things change and you have to adapt. But so, I mean, there's no definite answer, but it really comes back for me. A lot of times, if, I, if I'm questioning something, I go back to say, all right, you know, five o'clock this morning when I wrote my, or, and I designed my plan or when I reviewed my plan, I should say, what, what was I, what was I going to do? And I go back to that and I say, well, I'm, I'm going to do that. And I'll review my plan tonight after market close. And then if I need to make a change to my plan, I'll make it, but I'm not going to do it in the heat of the moment. You know, when I feel when my emotions are, you know, on fire, you know, like that's, um, yeah. Is there moments where you just got to step away? Oh yeah. Don't, don't touch the mouse, Jordan. Don't touch the mouse. Oh yeah, man. And there's been times I've touched the mouse and I, and it was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. You know, and I think, <laughs> um, yeah, that is probably the problem of having that, that at your fingertips, you know, that you do, you can just do that. And, um, but that's, uh, that's what you learn, you know, all right. I can, I'm, I'm sensing like that I'm questioning my plan and, and things like that. And yeah, I just, I need to step away and maybe I need to go for a run. Maybe I need to um, get fresh air. I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, um, definitely. A lot of times there is, I just, you know, and I think it, where, where it gets hard is, yeah. When like in, in market environments, like we've had recently where, you know, you just, every decision you make, you know, it seems like it, it gets, you get hurt. Um, I think times like that, you know, where you do start questioning things, you know, you have to, you got to have a purpose. You know, I think it, sometimes it goes beyond the plan and, and to your, to your purpose, like what, you know, your, your desire and what you're, you're focusing on your priorities. Cause sometimes, you know, you, um, I, I guess really if you treat the stock market as a hobby, it's going to pay you like a hobby. And if you treat it like a business, it's going to pay you like a business and hobbies don't pay very well. Usually right. you spend a ton of money on them. So, um, yeah, I think that's what, uh, how I, I treat it. Like I, this is a business. This is that there's cycles in the market. And, um, if you, if you're not, if you're not committed to something, when things get hard, you'll leave. And that's where you got, you gotta, you gotta be committed. And I think that's why a lot of people look for, for, you know, advisors that's been in the business a long time is because they know they're, they're committed and they, and they have, they've been through a lot of that time, those hard times, those times that people do. And that's, uh, and that's good to find, you know, you want someone like that that knows what they're doing, that, um, that has, that isn't a flash in the pan type concept. So. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Um, maybe you're comfortable talking about this. Maybe you're not. I'm curious. You had mentioned there's some companies that really excite you. Uh, do you, do you mind sharing a few of those or are you thinking now nah, these are just for my clients? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'll share them. Um, I, 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 I got, I had two of them. I, uh, and really they're, they're just, they're not, uh, nothing special. They're just companies I really you know, hire. And, um, actually one of them, I actually, so in college, I started noticing that all my instructors gave me projects and they said, well, you know, use these as templates and, and you know, and, and, you know, study these to know what to do. So I'm like, when I started the coffee shop with Schlees, I said, all right, what's a coffee shop that I really admire that I, that I want to, you know, that I look up to. And, and I had heard a lot of good things about this Dutch bros and, um, out in the West coast. And, um, 
and I, I had also done research papers on Starbucks, but I had, uh, this, this Dutch Bros was, you know, it's a young company. Um, they had started out, I really admired them because they had, you know, they're putting up a fight against a giant, um, against Starbucks and they're doing really well. And so I, I kind of had got to know the company pretty well. And recently they went public within the past year. And so, um, this is kind of a company that I feel like I know well. Um, and, and I guess I, I kind of chose this company because I, I want to prove, want to kind of show the example that it's something that I know that I work in an industry with. And so I want people to see that concept that you maybe look around you and see, you know, what do you know? Well, what company do you feel like in your industry is, is kind of setting itself apart? Um, and is it, is it public? Um, and there, uh, um, but with, with that said, though, don't just buy it and make sure you get advice on it. Um, there's, uh, so, so Dutch Bros, it's, it's a young company. Um, so, uh, and, um, there's a lot of potential for growth when it comes to that it has some good products. And I've, I've heard some good things about it, you know, from people that have been there, you know, that they, you know, they'll rave about it on, you know, how good, how good it was service. Um, and and things like that. And, you know, so I, I look at some of the numbers. I, I think the market in, in general right now is not super favorable for retail, but um, that's not to say you know, I'm, I'm going to keep watching it and, and, and things, but um, this is a company I think has a lot of potential and it's a, uh, it's a company that, um, you know, is, has the potential. Cause like, if you look at, like in, in the past and you study history, which I built a lot of my strategy on studying history, that the real outperformers typically come from specific um, sectors or industry groups. Um, and that's um, groups that have the tendency to really grow at a phenomenal rate. And, you know, something that is consumer driven, um, like for example, like it, something like a Yeti or a Lulu or, you know, it's Lululemon or Luluman, um, they, um, they can grow so fast because they are consumer driven. So they, people will pay more for intrin intrinsic value, which is just the name. And that's like, they, uh, and then that way, you know, you can, and when, you know, other people see it, you get a celebrity that, you know, raves about it. People go crazy, you know, social media, you know, things like that. And then, so the sales and earnings and things can just skyrocket. Um, so you, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you, you want to look at the probabilities and it's amazing that you got to base it off. You want to put the odds in your favor as much as possible. Um, so, and that's what I, I look a lot for is putting the odds in my favor that the company will outperform. I'm not saying like there's no, there's no definite answer. It will. Every company that I look at, I know has the potential to, you know, go to zero. I mean, you know, you get, but um, I guess back to Dutch Bros. They, yeah, I, I like them. I, I like the the management of the company. They have, I think, they have good principles. And I think that's people people value that. You know, mm -hmm. that they they really put the customer first, um, and. Uh, um, yeah. So. It's kind of neat being able to, I guess I hadn't really thought about it that way. If you 
looking at a company and based off of their principles and maybe, you know, their, the little things like their customer service and stuff like that. And the kind of reviews that they have. And is, is this a company that we perceive as being around for quite a while? And I, there's a couple of companies that are popping into my head right now. And that's like, oh yeah, we're going to, they're going to be thriving in 10 years. But some companies, not so much, you know, who, who are you going to want to invest in? Who are you going to want to spend your money on? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan, I had heard, I had heard this, uh, one of the guys break down, I, I forget the exact wording on it. You probably know this. You, you could help me out here, but basically a life, uh, to death, um, on Starbucks clients, just selling coffee alone. If someone, you know, I don't, I, I don't remember all the details, but basically on one of their clients, they can expect up to an $8,000 return off of that one individual over the span of their lifetime. Um, and there's a term for it. I can't remember the term, but basically it was like in the time frame of this individual, it might not be consistent at this one store, but on the span of his lifetime, we're going to get $8,000 you know, out of him just off of coffee. Right. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. then they, you know, and, and the, the term is slipping my mind and I actually need to go find that because it was, it was very interesting and actually a very useful way to look at, uh, uh, you know, other businesses as well. Yeah. That's, you know, I have, I have not heard of that term before. I have to look that up. That sounds interesting. Um, yeah. And that's why he was, well, he was betting on Starbucks and this was earlier, um, not this was what, four or five years ago, but he was betting on Starbucks based off of that, um, off of those numbers. But which again, there's a million ways to dissect the, dissect the company. Is Dutch Bros more um, of a conservative company or is that kind of, maybe that's not a very good question because that might be kind of hard to tell just, just based, based on what you see. Um, like, like in comparison, when I think of Starbucks, I think of a pretty liberal company. Um, well, I guess the reason why I, the one reason why I, I say that they, you know, that they value the customer. Well, there's an article that I was reading on them, um, and I guess one of the one of the the customers had come to the line. I guess they're having a rough time. Um, something in their life was going really tough, and I think that they uh, there's a picture of one of the employees mm-hmm. praying with the um, person going through the drive-through. I think so. I that would be more on the side of conservatives. So, um, I I don't. But I don't know a whole lot on that. I don't know if it was one nice thing about being young uh, company is that, you know, the values of the owners still kind of shine. Um, and I think that's, I mean, the values of the owners, you know, were, you know, with the customer, you know, spent, you know, making the customer first when you get really big, you know, it, it um, pretty soon it's about the, all about the investors, yeah. but that's, um, yeah, I mean, it happens. So, but. Jordan, how do you get, um, so you just said Dutch Bros went public. Was that a year ago? Um, yeah, let me look. I, uh, oh, that's fine. That's fine. I just was curious, like, because I've got a company that I'm watching right now and they're private, but I know they're doing extremely, extremely well. But there's really, there's there's really no hope to get involved in that company unless you know someone in that company right i mean you can't until they become public it's not open to me is that correct yes and unfortunately yeah i wish 
there was a, yeah, there, you're right. And I wish there was a way around it, but yeah, there's, um, I'll just be open. I, there's this company called the quick star quick trip. Honestly, it's quick star in Iowa, but they are just demolishing Casey's. They are demolishing every other convenience store in the area. And, um, the owner, I mean, they're, they're doing extremely well and, but they're private. And I don't know, um, honestly, if I, if I should just take the time and do a little bit of research and find some emails and figure out how I could get involved a little bit, because I know they are just, they're absolutely crushing it. Um, and they're a company, will they go public? I don't know. Um, but to a certain degree, when they go public, um, I don't want to say the excitement's over, but it's, it's, uh, you miss out on a lot of opportunity when companies go public yeah. to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I mean, I've seen, I've read some articles recently where more companies are staying private longer. Um, and so you're missing out on some of that early growth, but, um, yes. with that, with that said, I mean, there's always going to be growth in them. Like it's not the you know end of the world. I mean, the, you're still going to find young, young companies that go public. They're going to be great investments. But I, um, I, I do know what story you're talking about. And yeah, that's uh, you know, that the something I was, I was looking into the other day because I, I agree with you. I mean, I think there's you know some of the local companies, smaller companies, um, yeah, especially like I know which I think Quick Quick Stop is or um, Quick Trip, Quick Trip. And yeah. it's Quick Star in Iowa. They had to switch their name in Iowa to Quick Star just because there was already a company called Quick Trip. Mm. I think there was some legal issues on that, but Quick Star owns Quick Trip as well. So, interesting. Yeah, that, I know. I drive when I was in Kansas City. I drive out of my way to go to that place. So yeah, I know. Um, it's great. Um, and then see, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, like exactly to look for. And um, but. I, I will oh, go ahead. I think the problem is you probably have to have quite a bit of money to get invited privately or yeah, like you said, you have to know somebody. But. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um okay, I got a question or along those same lines, and I don't know I don't even know if it's feasible, but I think one of my dreams is and I've talked to Leonard about this too. Honestly, I want to find I want to find 10 local companies, startup companies, just in my area, small mom, pa shop to uh, a, a, just a, a small local chain or a small rancher who is, you know, uh, you know, raising it on farm and straight to the table, cut it, cutting out um, the big guys. I want to find really anything, small business partners that I believe in, say 10 businesses, and I want to invest you know, a hundred to 200,000 in them, in the business for a part of the company. But to me, that would just be a dream come true because I'm investing in local businesses. I believe in, I'm investing in people that I believe in families that I believe in communities that I believe in. Um, honestly, that's, that's more of a, I don't want to say a long-term goal. It's something I continually remind myself about, but I think it would be awesome to be able uh, to do that just because it's local, you have direct involvement and so on and so forth. But it gets difficult when you try and do that with very small companies or businesses. Yeah, no, that's, that's actually a really good idea. Um, you can come up with a way to do it. I mean, cause yeah, it could really bring 
make everybody feel more involved. You probably, you know, increase. Yeah, I think it's, it's, an, it's an interesting idea. It's, I uh, like it. I, I'm, I'm obviously, uh, that, that's a dream, but, but I, I would like to be held to that to a certain degree. The other question I have is, um, this, how would I, I'm trying to figure out how to question this. So you've got guys that are older, they've built a decent net worth, say, whether that's a business, whether that's, uh, you know, whatever. Um, a lot of times safe investments that come to mind is real estate, farm ground. I mean, things like that. Right. But from a stock market standpoint, what are you doing with those guys that are 65, 70 year olds, you know, that, that are wanting to live off some of their income, but want it in a safe place. Um, you know, are you saying, Hey, you know, obviously you're probably not going to say, Hey, go buy this farm ground, go buy a quarter, go buy a, you know, some real estate. You're going to say, listen, what, what, what's your recommendation for those, those older people, higher net worth, but also going to need the income to live off in retirement. Um, that, that's, it's kind of a difficult question to answer. Um, being we're kind of in a special situation, which, um, you know, bond prices are actually going to fall with the increasing rates and inflation, yeah. you know, um, tech and the stock market's not very safe. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's hard. Um, and I also hate recommending real estate cause it does feel like prices are, are bubbling there too, but that's, yeah. but then again, though, the thing with real estate is that, um, that's nice is that, yeah, it's a, it's a hard physical asset. Um, yeah, I, I hate, I'm not really sure, um, how to answer that question, you know, but, um, so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I, don't, I guess I, I probably won't answer it, but, um, I think going into, if we just look at the circumstances, um, you know, I've heard a lot about like stagflation recently. And so, so sometimes, let me just say this. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing. I mean, I think that sometimes it's hard for people to think that way, but sometimes the best thing to do is just to, to take, take a step back, breathe and look at the big picture and say, what's going on? What are my options? And what looks like it's what looks like it's the best route to go, um, but you um, and sometimes you might have to say, well, I'm not really sure. So maybe the best thing to do is nothing. And so maybe you you wait and you see maybe this is maybe then more when more cards flip, then you can see more. You know, you can see more options. You can see more um, more information, and um, it'll help you make your decision and. I don't think waiting is, is wrong, but you do eventually you need to make a decision. You can't just wait forever. Um, yep. but I mean, I, I think at this point, um, waiting's probably, uh, not a bad option until you kind of get maybe more of a direction in which you want to go. Yes. And honestly, that probably, right. I understand where you're coming from on not answering that question, because when you, when you're going to go give someone advice, it's not like a five minute, conversation it's like no you've got a list of questions you got to figure out this person's history you got to figure out their you know maybe their habits or their you know their investment uh history for sure uh and what their what their goals are so yeah it's it's definitely uh 
unless you and I were to sit down and you actually walk me through the process of the questions you're asking, the conversations that have to be had before you're throwing money at stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I also probably have to be a little careful with, you know, rec- specific recommendations on. Right. But, um, but yeah, because it, it is, it is every client is different. And I think a lot of times, because um, everyone, everyone's life, every, everyone, everyone has a different fingerprint, you know, so I mean, our lives are all different. And to, you know, Google the answer on, to try and Google the answer, there's some things Google is not going to have the answer for. And so I think sometimes you need help to someone that's been in the business that has that in, intuitive feel for how to handle your situation. Because um, sometimes, sometimes there's going to be no right answer and you're just going to have to make a decision and you're going to have to accept the risk in that decision. So, um, Jordan, what, what are some of the long-term plans for, uh, the, the coffee business for you? And, and I don't think we talked about this. What's the, I know the name of, of your coffee business, but you want to kind of share what that is and, and kind of where that came from? Yeah. Yeah. So our coffee business is, um, named Hebrews 11 coffee. Um, we, uh, we kind of chose that based off of the, the faith chapter in the Bible. Um, and, um, we, and it's a little play, play on words there, you know, the, uh, Hebrews as yep, well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know we're not the only ones to do it. There's some other ones out there, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're just independent. Um, but yeah, we, um, yeah, it's been good. It sparks, it's the name sparks a lot of great conversation. Of course, it's it's memorable, and so you're you're in the process. What do you have any idea or, or like a a goal as far as when the brick and mortar store will be ready to go? Um, yeah, I guess my goal is is uh, probably um, by June timeframe ish. Okay, you know. June June yeah. of the of this year, twenty twenty two. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot of work that we have to put into it. Um, and excuse me, we've been working on it for quite a while. So good. I mean, um, I'm sure as far as like vendors and stuff, you probably already have a lot of those lined up due to your, just the, just the trailer, right? Yes. Yep. And actually, so yeah, none of that'll change and it'll actually make it easier mostly for them because they'll ship straight to our store and then we can store everything at the store. Um, cause right, yeah, right now we're, having to, you know, ship to a separate location. So, which, yeah. Yeah. Not, not as convenient. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to, it's a 20 minute drive just to get something that you forgot. So, (laughs) you know, you mentioned earlier and, and these are some things I hadn't really considered. You just said like being in a brick and mortar would be a lot easier than being in a trailer. And that was something I, after I stopped and thought about it, I was like, I guess that does make sense. But if you think about it, I mean, do you have, how does it work as far as water and so forth, like a, like a water hookup and all that? Um, yeah. So that's probably the reason why it takes so much is because so much extra work is because, yeah, we have to, since, since we are, we, we've chosen over the winter period, the winter season to be fixed location, we were able to hard pipe water to the trailer. Um, so really it was only almost treated as like a type of a mobile home situation where it's just, it's just fixed. Um, we had the, you know, um, the wastewater was, <clears throat> had a fixed connection as well. Um, but when we are mobile, yeah, we have, you know, 
fresh water tanks and gray water tanks on the trailer as well to store water. Gotcha. And then, um, is it just, Shalise has like at least one employee, right? Or is, is she the only one running it pretty much? Um, so no, we, we actually, I think we're up to, um, six employees now. Oh, no kidding. So, okay. That's yeah. awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah it, it, we're excited. Um, it's, uh, we're staying busy enough that we need, um, that, but then we also, um, we've been kind of we're working more, more than we need right now, but we're preparing for that brick and mortar and we're preparing for, um, to do events and stuff. And so then once we're doing events, then we'll need the extra employees. So maybe it's, it's um, it's kind of a, a step in that direction. Um, but I like that strategy because then there's going to come a time, like you said, where you are going to need those employees and they're already going to be trained. And there's nothing worse than starting something brand new that's going to need a lot of attention, a lot of manpower, and all you have is a bunch of newbies, a bunch of rookies. <laughs> yes. It's nice yeah. that you won't have that problem. Yes. Well, and, and uh, when you go through a drive through you want fast service. So, you know, people... Yes. And, uh, so, especially <laughs> with coffee in the mornings and stuff, people don't want to wait, wait around too long. So, you know, having too many employees in, the tra- in, a, in a coffee trailer... Too many employees is a problem because you can't move. But yeah, in a order, it's it, it's uh, it'll be less of a problem. But yeah, like you said, and, and that's kind of what we've learned. We've learned from the past a little bit. I mean, we've had some times where we were short on employees and trying to train, and it's just um, you gotta weigh your costs a little bit and just make a decision. So, will people be able to actually come in and sit down and drink coffee in the brick and mortar, or will it be drive through only? We'll just do drive through to get started. Um, and then uh, I think once we're, because um, my goal with the brick and mortar is to free the trailer up for the summer season. Um, and uh, so we're kind of quickly remodeling it for drive through. And then, and that's most of our customer because customer base, because most of West Quincy is not necessarily, I wouldn't call it a destination. It's more of a, you know, a drive by. So. And I would imagine multiple locations are in the back of your mind at some point in the future. Yes. Yeah. If we can, um, yeah, we definitely would like to grow if we can. Um, but like, cause we kind of had the opportunity recently to m- maybe grow, but you know, at some point it's hard that if you think take things too fast, you know, it's just a little too much, you know? Um, cause it is very hard making coffee is kind of special because you got to do it right. I mean, it's, it's a very, it's a, um, what you call it? A, uh, it's escaping me, but a, you know, it, it's a, it's something that people are willing to pay more for. It's a more like a gourmet item. And that's yeah. like, um, so you want to do it right. And, and the last thing you want to do is try and to streamline it too quick where it doesn't, you lose, you lose the, um, the extra value that the customers are paying for and um and with with customers and stuff that uh um we want to keep the line moving so um efficiency yeah. is so, it goes so much with with the drive-through like you're saying gotta keep it moving yes yeah um like we were talking earlier um braden was asking about 
making decisions like when you're on a, at an emotional high and this can definitely translate over to so many things, but like in the situation with your business, like if you're in a high, like, oh, things are going so good, you know, we're getting, you know, we're hitting this X or whatever amount of dollars or we're getting this amount of visits every day. That's when you could maybe get a little, I guess, to, to, you know, take those risks that maybe aren't very wise. Like, oh yeah, we're doing so good. So now we're going to go ahead and spend the money on this, on this building. Like you said, grow too fast. And there's a time to kind of sit back and just like, is this going to be consistent? Is this the new normal? Can we maintain this before we actually take the next step? But again, when you're on that emotional high and you're like, oh, this is so great. We got to do all this and this and this, you could be setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Well, and yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where we've been. Um, and because you know, I, I still feel, yeah, cause we, I mean, it's been, you know, it's a great experience so far, you know, and, you know, starting out, you know, we have great, great customer support um, and we've really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I mean, things don't always go well. So, you know, there are going to be times that are hard and um, yeah, like you said, making a decision on emotional high, um, or out of fear, I think fear to like, well, right, yeah, yeah, someone else. I think those are definitely two things that we have to be really careful with. Um, but then also, is the tr making decisions is hard because you 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 can't make it out of greed or out of fear, and you can't. Um, but you still got to make it. You can't just avoid the decision. You know what I mean? So it's it's diff you know it's difficult, especially. But you know, I, so Shalise and I, yeah, we sat down and we said. You know, it goes back to your priorities. What are your goals in life? Yeah. Um, and so we kind of sat down and we went over what do we want out of this coffee shop? Like, why did we start this? You know, what did we want from it? And where are we going? And all right, so if that's where we want to go, how are we going to get there? Do we need to open this other shop to get there, or do we need to focus on what we've got now? Um, so yeah, that's kind of how. And so we decided that you know, right now, what our priorities are and what what we want maybe a brick and an, another brick and mortar with a trailer so two brick and mortars and a trailer just a little too much for us you know maybe but that's not to say in the future it, it, it won't be so we could make a whole a whole other podcast on that in, in like in just not reacting off of those emotions whether they're positive or negative like you said whether it's um, fear or greed or just, you know, a high. And I love how you said you kind of got to circle back to where you started. Why are we doing this in the per in the first place? What's the purpose? What's the goal? What's the vision? And really stay consistent with that. Just like when you were talking earlier with the investing is stick to your strategy. Just because something looks a little bit shinier or seems like it might look or might be a little better or maybe you experience this brief setback that's not the time to jump ship and completely change things or else you're going to be all over the place and you're not going to you're just going to be spinning your wheels yeah you yeah, know i've done um yeah I, I agree with that that there's um you could definitely talk a long time about those because it is and because it's one of those things the hard thing about that what we just you just talked about there is that those the situations all have to be taken in context of the current of that circumstance. Um, and so 
because every emotional situation is going to be different. And so you can't just say, well, I mean, cause I mean, I think I've learned this mainly from investing is that, you know, I, I can't just say that I'm going to, I'm going to take profits at a certain level because every situation is different. You know, I, I can't, I mean, to some extent I can say, I expect this to happen, but I'm not going to blindly, blindly do something without considering the environment um, and the context of the situation. And um, yeah, that's, I think that's probably why it makes it so hard to, in those areas and makes it so confusing is that everything has to be taken in context. But. You just, for me with my background and, and uh, interest in fitness, so many of, of that, it, it's all comes down to consistency. And if you do have a setback, if you do have a moment of, of a real success, it's you, you can't necessarily let those moments dictate your whole future. You still kind of have to go back to the tried and true, what has worked for you. Yes, always be willing to kind of experiment and try new things, but you have to give things um, the, the fair amount of time to kind of see things through as opposed to continually jumping from whether it's like you know one program to another, one diet to another, but actually give it a chance and see it through. And, and again, make sure it's consistent with your, your goal in the first place, whatever that type of goal is. Um, so no, you're, you're, you're making me think of a lot of things. I, I, I love it. I love how just this, this translates regardless of the industry, you know, it could be also like in, in a relationship, in a marriage. So many of these things, uh, you know, translate from one area of life to another. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, sorry. I think I, I got, maybe I, I pinpointed the thing that you talked about before and got sidetracked, but yeah, on, on the, focusing, <laughs> um, yeah, I apologize for that. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, I've been and honestly, it wasn't me that I, I you know have someone that I you know look up to that reminded me that say, hey, you you need to go back to it. What's important in your life? And you know, because I you know, I, you know, I get distract, distracted, <laughs> um, so by what's shiny and you know things like that. But um, yeah, to your point on consistency, I mean, I think that is the most underestimated thing that you know we we look over is like, just pick something and stick with it. You I mean, it's so easy. I, th I think with social media, it makes always, or in, yeah, with investing, you see all these other people, you know, doing this or doing that and, you know, succeeding in this or that. And it's just, you, you, you get pulled so many, many different directions, but if you're just consistent in one thing, I mean, I mean with fitness, but yeah, by far it's huge that you just have to, I mean, you would know that by, yeah. Cause so much of, results or the gain that we can achieve in life. It's not about that one time gigantic win that, that get rich quick. It's about that, you know, those little steps of growth over time, that, that compounding growth all comes back down <laughs> that, that, that compound interest, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and exactly. I mean, I think if you want to see something that you want to see compound interest work, it's in, it's in your own life. Like, because, that's the beauty of education um, because I love to learn and, and to read. And, and that's part of the reason why that I, I want to make it a priority every morning for me to start the day is that, you know, what I learned yesterday, no one can take that from me. You know, like that is, I'm going to have that the day I die. And, you know, so every decision I make going forward, I now have more information to make the decisions based off of. And um, so, you know, 
and I, and I think sometimes in life that you get to these points where it's like all of a sudden like a light bulb goes off and you learn something new and it just like it's like the missing puzzle piece for from that it was within all these other things that you learned and all of a sudden it's like things connect and maybe you take a leap in knowledge and uh i mean that's um but like it, yeah it compounds and every that's what i love i, I really feel blessed just to have a desire to learn and better myself because it grows, you know, it's that, that, that is really a blessing. Our minds are amazing. So. Yeah. I think one of the things, um, I struggle with some, sometimes with that desire to learn so much, uh, well, there's a few, one is you can't learn fast enough. Right. But the other one is, is sometimes you read, like there's all different, obviously authors, opinions, perspectives, so on and so forth. And sometimes I've got into the hat, the, the bad habit of trying to implement everything you read. And it's like, no, you don't do that. Like wisdom tells me now that you read it and you try and understand it from their perspective. And then you try and gauge whether or not this is something that you want to implement and it's going to be worth implementing. You know, I think sometimes as young avid learners, we, uh, you can get to this, you can, you can almost try and position yourself to try to implement their advice, although their advice isn't necessarily for you at that time, whether that's a business decision, whether that's a habit you need to implement, whether that's, you know, you could read a book on raising kids and you don't have any kids. It's like, well, okay, this advice is really not for you at this point. And so um, to, to young readers are, even as I raise kids now, it's like, Yes, I want them to read like crazy, but also have the wisdom to understand what things you need to start implementing. And one things are just knowledge based for later down the road when that circumstance comes up. Yeah. We need to let Jordan go here. Did, uh, Brayden, did you have any last questions for him? No, I did not. Okay. I look forward, look forward to seeing you in person someday. Yeah, you too. Yeah, you get, I've, uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you guys. I've, I've learned a lot myself and, um, yeah. Oh, great ideas. Great, great thoughts. I'm glad to hear that you learned. We, we've definitely learned, learned a lot from you. <laughs> Jordan, uh, yeah. well, we can, we can put, um, any information you're comfortable with in the, in the show notes if people want to reach out to you, but is there anything, um, if people did want to reach out to you for, uh, financial advice, whatever, is there, um, an email you'd be comfortable sharing or, or a website they can go to? What would you be most comfortable with? Um, yeah, so I have uh, my email um, would uh, just be jordan.stoddinger.lpl.com. Awesome, man. Well, uh, anything else you want to leave with us? Uh, no, I just appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. This is awesome. Well, hey, we appreciate it, man. You take care. You enjoy the rest of your day, okay? Yeah, you too. All, All right. right. See you, brother. Take care, Jordan. See ya. All right, a very special thank you to Jordan for coming on the podcast and not only sharing his knowledge, but also his approach to doing business and growing as an entrepreneur. We'll have Jordan's contact information in the show notes if you would like to connect with him for any financial planning or investing assistance. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Inquire Inside. Thank you all for tuning in today, and we'll catch you next time.